Hello, hello, beautiful souls, and welcome to episode 16 of the Evolving Mama podcast. I am so glad you are here. It feels like, ah, I mean, to get to episode 16, this just is legitimate, right? It feels so amazing, and I hope you have enjoyed the episodes so far and enjoy the mix, right, of not just hearing from me and the content that I am putting out that really is actually flowing through me, but also getting to hear from some pretty incredible women in this space, in this world, who ultimately my goal is that either they become your expander or something that they say or a way that they live or a belief that they share expands what you think is possible for you in your life and inspires you to take action in some way, shape, or form. And that action doesn't need to lead to something big. That action could just lead to you being happy or finding a moment of happiness or joy or fulfillment or exploring curiosities and your passions Whatever that is for you, I hope that it is making an impact. If it is, I would absolutely love feedback. Please don't hesitate to DM me. I love connecting with you and hearing your thoughts on an episode or what you heard in an episode or just overall in the podcast, what's really resonating with you, what you'd like to see in the future. And if you feel inclined, obviously a review is a beautiful way to support the show, to support my ability to show up here and to really continue down this path. So if you have a moment or two in your day or even right now, feel free to pause the show And go ahead and leave a rating and review wherever you are listening. So I hope you're ready for this conversation today. We are going deep with Rachel White, aka The Skeptical Shaman. I actually had a session with her after hearing her on a podcast. Um, I had a session with her back in July of 2022. And I talk about this a little bit in the episode, but that session changed my life. And so while I'm so grateful to Rachel, she'll tell you firsthand, it's not her, right, that that did that did that or made the change or took the action, but she really did change my life. The conversation today really ebbs and flows across so many different topics and at times definitely gets a bit esoteric. So if you're ready for a little bit of you know, deep conversation, some esoteric conversation, some really introspective conversation, and and a little bit eccentric too. But this is a really cool uh, conversation. She really talks about, you know, she's a shaman. So if you're curious about shamanism or what is a shaman, right, as we hear so much about the psychic world and mediums and spiritual counselors, you know, what does that, what does that really mean? So Um, She also just talks about her journey of being gifted in this way. And really everybody has these gifts, but maybe different gifts and different levels. But her journey to really owning it and making it her full-time 
passion, her full-time career, you know, her full-time reason and purpose for really being here and being in this experience and how she's serving others. So I really don't want to keep you from this anymore. I will share uh, in the show notes, you're going to find all the ways that you can contact her. So she has uh, a company called Totem and you can get readings. It's a spiritual based practice. So um, she also offers a spiritual based coaching. She is actually uh, the designer and publisher for a beautiful tarot deck, as well as um, she makes hand makes flower essences, which can be super powerful. And in fact, I had a new one arrive yesterday. Uh, I chose the Oracle. So this particular flower essence helps open the third eye and crown chakras so that you can receive divine guidance. And the more that I can connect to my spirit team and my higher self, I am all in. So testing the waters there. But I don't want to keep you any more from hearing this conversation with Rachel. She can be very direct to the point. Um, and so I hope you enjoy this conversation and please tag us if you enjoy this episode and definitely go ahead and connect with Rachel. You can also find her on her podcast. Enjoy. I'm Kristen Elizabeth, and welcome to the Evolving Mama podcast. This show holds space for you as we begin to uncover who we really are on our path to awakening. We are here to guide you back into your power and to discover your purpose in this lifetime. You will be inspired to reconnect to your higher self and tap into mind, body, and soul to find clarity, confidence, and joy. Join me and inspiring guests as we share evolution through career, motherhood, spirituality, manifestation, and co-creating the life of our dreams. My intention is that these expansive conversations act as a mirror where you begin to see a reflection of who you are and who you want to become. Now, together, we expand. Miss Rachel White, the Skeptical Shaman, welcome to the Evolving Mama podcast. We are so happy to have you here today. Thank you. I'm happy to be here with you specifically. I'm really, I love talking to people that I like and Thank that I've worked you. with. And it, it, having done a podcast tour last year, the experiential difference of everybody is, it's incredible. You'd think they'd all be the same. And it's like, you get to a point where you're like, I just want to talk to people I like. So thank you for having me. And I like your little sign behind you, the evolving mama. You have all these beautiful neutrals. Yes. Yes. It's you so pleasant. Good in your physical space. And I also wanted to tell you that our birthdays are two days apart, same year. So happy big milestone birthday this past year. Oh my year. God. Yeah. We're old. By the way, 40 does not look like it used to, right? Oh. So my favorite comedians posted this thing and it was a picture of a bunch of 40 year old women from like the sixties. And I showed it to my husband. He goes, oh, my God. I was like, they're like a pack of wolves and wolves that aren't doing well because they would chain smoke. You know what? It was just a different time. I don't think Botox accounts for all of it. I think some of it's lifestyle. I hope. 
I don't know yeah. what it is, but it is pretty interesting that there is such a difference. Visibly. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I'll you honestly, everything. I'm not blowing smoke. You do not look a day over 30. I mean that, right? Like it's something's happening. So, something's happening on planet earth. Maybe it's our collective consciousness. Maybe it's our spiritual evolution. Maybe it's, you know, realizing that we need to eat organic or who the hell knows. I'll take it. I'm on board. I'm on board. Yep. Cool. Well, first I want to say I am personally so excited to have you here in reaching out to you to ask if you would join us in conversation. My line to you was you changed my life. So July of 2022, I booked a session with you after hearing you on a podcast and you completely opened a portal for me. And essentially what happened is this portal opened up and all of a sudden I got this connection that created belief and it sent me on this path, which has been super incredible, almost in awe of it. Sometimes I still don't believe it, but it did create that belief for me to just keep moving forward. So thank you. Well, thank you. Thank you. But you know, I'm going to give you my line, which is I didn't open anything. Uh, And that is important. I was actually just interviewing a practitioner for my podcast before I got on with you. And she and I were at length talking about this. She's quite funny. You'll enjoy the episode where anybody who injects themselves as a middleman, a big red flag, like we're really doulas or brokers or, you know what I mean? Like we facilitate something for people. And uh, she and I were joking because she does a lot of um, meditation work and nervous system resets. And she's a PhD, like super dork, deep dork stuff. Right. She goes, all of this is ancient. There is no innovating here. It's all about working with your own system. And I go, yeah, it's like what I do with Totem most of the time is get out of the way. And I know that's that's not the best sales pitch for a business. Like you don't really need me, but it's the truth. You don't really need me. I mean, people come in, I, I'll way show, I give information, I create an opportunity. It's the individual who seizes the opportunity. I really mean that. So you gave that to yourself. And I like your order of operations of I had experiences that then built belief because that's super rational. You know, people are like, I want to believe I'm like, oh, that's going to be rough for you. You know, if anything, you should be a little reluctant. You should wonder from time to time if you're crazy. Not fully, but just check in. Yeah, it's that's healthy. That means your frontal lobe and your like executive function are doing their job for you because I've watched people that not that they were very talented, like energy workers and stuff. So they were tapped into something very real, but they just went off the reservation. You know, when you do nothing all day long, but for one of a better way of putting it, buying your own bullshit, you lose the landscape. You go off into some other terrain. And by the way, like three of them are full QAnon. Mm. Like the last time I saw one of them, he came to a workshop and I would always like invite him for free, a fellow practitioner, very talented. He was like, came up to me, he's like, just, you know, Nancy Pelosi's in custody and she's in Guantanamo Bay. And I was like, oh my God. Oh no. Like, by the way, I wish, I wish they all were in jail. Side note, I'm not even into politics. I have no team. I want them all in, but like, no, she's not. She's just not. And, you know, so you got to watch it. It's good to check in and be like, am I crazy? Yeah. Well, I'm excited. A sign you're not. (laughs) (laughs) That's probably true. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I'm really excited to to dive in and and dig into what you're doing and and shamanism. I will say one part of this podcast, and I really think this helps people. 
we won't go deep into your origin story and all that, but I would like to just high level, allow people to get to know you a little bit. Yeah. What I think happens is when somebody sees somebody do something, it kind of does create belief or open a door for them to then expand themselves. And so I think it's important just to understand high level, right? Maybe were you psychic your entire life? Like what was high level? What did that look like for you kind of growing up? Yeah, it's funny. I followed a very similar trajectory to a lot of people who are doing what we're doing right now, right? Where I was intensely psychic as a child was told it was, you know, because of it, like chaos in the home, or I was highly sensitive, you know, always being dismissed as being, you're just sensitive. And, you know, da da da. went to therapy, I was in therapy, cognitive behavioral therapy at the age of five. That's how intense my mm. home dynamic was. Um, psychic all through, like started reading tarot cards when I was about nine years old. So that was like a big thing in middle school I was doing weird witchy shit in high school, all that and then went to college kind of work to shut it off. Cause at that point I'm living alone in Chicago and not a very nice neighbor in Chicago. If anyone's living in Rogers park, you know, what's up. Yeah. It's, it's rough around the edges, especially when I was there, which is forever ago. Um, and then had an experience and it was actually a negative experience. And I wrote about it on my Substack that shook me into like, Oh my God, this is real. And everything in my childhood was real. And it doesn't mean all my experiences were negative, just the one that sort of shook me back into what I would say is being awake to it, not being able to deny it or shut it off anymore. And that's when I really started studying shamanism in earnest. And what I would say is it's skepticism and curiosity that bring you to all these things. So people think if you're skeptical, you're inherently not spiritual. But what I would say is I, I had healthy skepticism about the Catholic Church. And I went to Jesuit school my whole life. So in a way, my skepticism got me out of belief into atheism, back into some kind of spiritual curiosity, back into belief. Like, it'll take you where you need to go on your journey. The primary thing is no dogma. Like, once that event happened, I was like, this is new data. I have to take it in or I am no better than the people that I view as like fundamentalists mm -hmm. that I would be as closed minded as they are. Right. And I, I don't want to be a hypocrite. So just navigating that cognitive dissonance the whole time. And then, you know, studying shamanism. And frankly, I started totem, which is my spiritual practice because I was having a really hard time finding teachers like mentors. Um, like I was way younger than a lot of these people, you know, but I worked similar to you and they'd be like, Hey, you know, I can't pay rent this month. I'm like, what is going, I grew up in abject poverty. You haven't figured out how, like how to do this yet. And you're asking me and I'm your student. It was so weird. Right. And that was an early education in the grift that kind of pervades woo. And so I started totem because I was like, this is how I'm going to learn. I'm going to read every book. You know, and I still went to classes and got certifications and everything, right? But self-study and frankly, my teachers now, my collaborators, teachers, mentors came to me as clients and now I'm their client. And so I've, I've found those people and I learned from them, but it, you know, I couldn't go about it the way we always think. Like you go out to market and you're like, I'm going to find my Mr. Miyagi. Yeah. Yeah. I always wonder... Mr that drive, that determination, if it nature certainly 
doesn't sound like it would be nurture for everybody based on the experiences yeah. we have when we get into this work, but you know, it, it just seems to kind of catapult you into figuring it out and taking action and doing something. Yeah. So, well, um, there's nothing more interesting than this. I mean, try being interested. You know, my old industry is corporate real estate. What lease abstractions are more interesting than the nature of God and the purpose of existence? Like, no way in hell. Once you get a taste of those deep things, there's kind of no going back, you know? Yeah. Well, speaking of going, not going back, you started Totem many, many years ago, but I think it was only a few years back where you actually decided I'm cutting the cord from kind of the corporate job. What did that a funny story? So I did decide to do that. And this is the God's honest truth. And I kept pulling the death card. And I was like, oh, yeah, it's over. And I was physically, you know, the feeling of I just can't work today. Like, it, it's and trust me, I grew up poor. So for me to be having those thoughts, it's wild. Like, you know, something's up. Got a commercial lease in Oak Park, which is a little area right west of Chicago for meditation center for all this stuff. And then, you know, I had written a resignation letter and I was nervous about it. I was going to be passive aggressive. So my boss was in England. I was going to send it on a Friday night. (laughs) Like when he's asleep and it's the weekend, it just, I was all freaked out the day before I was going to quit. And I had just gotten back from vacation layoffs. I was in the first round of layoffs, severance, golden parachute, the whole thing. And I moved that resignation letter. I was like sweating. I was like, Oh my God, go in that trash can on my desktop. I was like, thank God I didn't quit. And so it's funny. Yeah. I chose to transition out, but if I'm being radically honest with you, I got laid off and it was I was so happy about it that my boss called me worried that I'd had like some kind of a psychotic break. Cause I was so like, this is, this is the, of course, this is the best. Why did I think I had to do it? And they're like, she's just saying things now. Like they were like wow. worried. Cause apparently everybody else was, you know, having breakdowns and upset and angry. And what do you mean? Cause we were all super high performers that got let go. Like, you know, I never got anything other than like a five out of five on my performance reviews, all that stuff. But I just was like, and what a reminder that the death tarot card, kids, that energy always happens to you. It's such a me thing to think I needed to get ahead of that. <laughs> when I was going to happen. happen. Yeah. And thank God it did right before I was going to do what I was going to do. I mean, it's like a, for, it, being real honest, it's like a $40,000 difference uh, in reality. At the height of COVID, it was March of 2020. Wow. Yeah. It made a big difference. It was hilarious. And I've never, and I was just like, what kismet, right? Like, of course, this is how this would go down. No such thing as coincidences. And ever since, you know, that first year was wild because it was COVID lockdowns in Chicago. So you can't say that that's like a normal year to start your business full time. Yeah. Um, but since then, and since moving to Texas, it's diversified. It's gotten a lot more stable. It's it's a really resilient business model where I can be ethical. I can say no appropriately. I don't have to like, you know, scale or do like six days to six figure coaching weekends or whatever nonsense goes on and still make money and pay my bills and, and do the work I love doing. So it's been fun seeing that it's possible. Yeah. It's beautiful. It's amazing. Thank you. I will tell you that when I thought about doing this full time, I was thoroughly convinced I would never be able to make a living. I was like, I'll just have to figure it out. And then if I have to get another job, I do like it, it didn't seem real. 
to me okay. at all when I was in house and corporate. This financially was going to be feasible, right? Because you just develop these myths, these self limiting beliefs, and corporate wants you thinking you need them. And that if you leave, you're going to, you know, you'll be at a McDonald's or you'll whatever, you'll be shaking a tin can in the subway, begging for money. And the more I, I talk to and listen to the words of cult survivors, like everyone who left Nexium, I guess Keith Ranieri, the cult leader there, his big thing was like, you'll fail at life if you leave us. And he really ingrained that in them. And I was like, oh, so it's like corporate culture. Yeah. It's like working at a corporation. Yeah. 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 It, it, it makes you think that that's the safe choice when in fact, I think what you yeah. found is what you're doing now is actually a safer choice. I'll tell you that building a side hustle in an area where you're passionate, like truly something you connect to. It has to be that way because I've never worked harder in my life. If this was not something I was obsessed with, this would not be going this way. You really do need to care about it. Um, but building that little life raft now is a hedge against the market. I think 10 years ago, it was seen as a risk. Like, what are you doing? You got the stable job, whatever. There are no rules in corporate anymore. I heard from a friend who works at a giant tech company that her her coworker there, very, very, very high up, was fired via email while giving birth on maternity leave. Now, two years ago, that would have been impossible because of the liability litigation. Right. It violates labor law, all this stuff. And it's, by the way, a California-based company. So it really violates labor law. They just do it now. And they just, you know, if you sue them, whatever, they're just big brothering people around. And she was, she actually won, I guess, a bunch of awards. I don't know her personally, but was a top, top performer. It does not matter. It doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. There is no warning. It's not a meritocracy. You're not earning your position by, by destroying your life and working all the time and outperforming your peers. It's just kind of unmitigated chaos in some cases. I will say like I do coaching work and I think I mentioned this to you before we started. If you have a job, you take that paycheck as long as you can until you get to the point where you are literally so busy with the other thing that you cannot do both. Like get it there for your own sake. I, there's a lot of coaches out there that are like doing this abundance gospel shit where you know, you, if you don't quit, you don't bet on yourself. The universe won't bet on you. I'm like, where's that person going to be when you have a gas bill to pay? Yeah. Build it slowly, figure stuff out, but also like you don't need them. Yeah. You don't need them. If anything, I needed all of that time transitioning and building it on the side of my desk psychologically because there's trauma bonding in corporate. There's just like with a cult of like, I'm not good enough. I won't be able to hack it. What am I doing? This is weird. It's crazy. I'm going to be a professional tarot card reader. Like sometimes I still have that moment where I'm like, you go to a dinner party and someone asks you what you do and you're like, oh shit, I didn't get ready for this at all. And I'll just be like, I have a business. Like I'm at the point now where I don't even want to talk to people about it because mm -hmm. the looks and the what and the, you know, you're like, I'll just, let's keep it even. And there are moments like that, but also there are really deeply rewarding moments. And the other thing I would say is infinitely more interesting what I do now, you know, more, most roles in corporate, you're a specialist silos you stick to your thing you do your thing sort of ad nauseum every day even when i worked in global strategy innovation mm -hmm. which are broader more lateral things there's only so much you can learn and do when you do this kind of work for yourself you're learning every you can go anywhere you want with your business you can learn anything 
you get inspiration from the craziest places. I have the most interesting conversations with the most interesting people, truly. There's none of that like literal water cooler. Like I, I don't have to hear someone say like anything about stranger things mm-hmm. anymore. <laughs> That's all done. Yeah. That phase of my life has come to an end. And by the way, it's a good show, but I wanted to set myself on fire with office conversation because people only talk about safe stuff. It's pedantic. It's shallow on purpose. I don't have any of that. There's no filler. There's no fluff. There's no fat on this thing anymore. It's great. Oh, I love that. I am in a stage right now where a lot of the people that I've been connected to in my life, they just don't get it, you know? And so I can't have those conversations. And I am in the position right now where I'm just open and seeking those. Like, if we're going to talk, I want to talk about some, something deep, you know, yeah. like I, I don't want to be surface level talking. I want to talk about how you're expanding, what your beliefs are, like yeah. how you're connected to the world, what you're bringing here for humanity, like what impact you want to make. Like, I want to get deep. So, or we don't talk, right? <laughs> like that's also an option. Sometimes people talk just to talk. Yeah. Have you ever seen Furbies? You know, remember those stuff <laughs> things yeah. where they can activate each other? And they're just making sounds at each other. Yeah. And the little beaks. Sis- yeah, the little beaks and those like demonic, yeah. blorpy eyes. And there's something strangely socially codependent and noisy about, especially American society, but now with social media, it's just a din. But there's there's very little signal in the noise. And I think what you're describing is, even as someone who's sincerely making small talk, there's something dishonest in it. Not like they're trying to consciously be dishonest with you, but we're saying things while at the same time not saying anything. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like energetically, if you're an energetically sensitive person, it's a lie. Like, so it registers to our nervous system, like, why are we doing this? Like, wh- and also like, what's going on here? Because mm-hmm. once you start expanding and getting psychic, you're like, this isn't resonating as true at all. And so the whole thing just freaks you out. You feel gaslit. And by the way, you're just at a dinner party, right? Like, but this is actually happening internally and it's wild. And when the more people walk around to quote the big short, like they're in a goddamn Enya video, when as a psychic, you're reading all the subtext, it's crazy making. It really is. Yeah. 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 All right. Let's take a little bit of a dive into to shamanism just a, a little bit because I want to make sure people understand this. I think part yeah. of even maybe part of your mission, right, is democratizing spirituality. And some of that does um, mean giving an understanding of what all of these different terms mean, right? So we, we don't need yeah. to go through terms, but just help us understand what is shamanism? What does it mean to be a shaman and to step into that life? So it's funny, you know, a client, a coaching, former coaching client texted me something today that resonates with this perfectly. So apparently this guy, Jack Cornfield, I just pulled it up, was on Tim Ferriss's podcast. I love Tim Ferriss. Yeah, me too. And was like uh, correcting misconceptions about shamans and shamanism. And she sent it to me. She's like, you're going to love this episode. Because I feel like I'm always on like a soapbox yelling, like we're not people, people shamans are not crystal hippie people we're not toxically positive like all these things we're not it's it's hard to say what we are sometimes but the word shaman literally translates it's it's an old slavic russian word it means wounded healer so shamans do not choose to be shamans i've had people come up to your workshops they go i want to be a shaman i go you would know you would know because you're in and out of emergency rooms with things that no one understands you see stuff your life is this 
you know, build it up, burn it to the ground, build it up, burn it to the ground kind of a thing. So in a world of psychics, mediums, all different kinds of people, and there is overlap in the Venn diagram, the shaman, number one, we do a lot of physical spiritual work. So in other words, we will transmute energy into something physical. Like shamans in Russia, it's said, would suck cancer out of people and vomit it out into a toilet for several days at a time. Incredible. Um, yeah, it's why shamans are a very particular subset of medium, if they do mediumship work, meaning we have some kind of extra energy that helps other things manifest. So we don't go to where the spirits are. The spirits show up because we're like, I don't know, farting some kind of excess fuel that they can use to show up or something. Um, and the work of shamans throughout, you know, I'm part Native American, but basically cross-culturally is to disrupt um, lazy patterns of thinking and to wake people up. It's a very like the matrix Morpheus, Neo Trinity kind of thing. So no, we're not the most pleasant and typically not group people. Shamans, as this guy explains in the Tim Ferriss interview, lived out at the edge of the village. They were not friendly because they're, you know, they're in it all the, like they're doing stuff. It's hard. It sucks. They know if someone approaches them. It's like, great. I'm going to throw up black goo for the next week. You know what I mean? Reluctant anti-hero kind of energy. So when people tell me like, oh, my shaman, you know, and I'm at the shaman circle, I'm like, I don't, I don't know what you're, Okay. Also, people confuse doing psychedelics with shamanism. Mm. And while plant medicine is a part of shamanism, I will tell you that it is a small part, very small part. And conflating drug use with spiritual awakening is funny. You're cheating yourself out of the real stuff. And I microdose every day. I've done like a hero's dose of psychedelics. I found it boring because mm. I have a baseline of ex very expanded consciousness through meditation, through these other things. So shamans, you know, we're here to weigh show and equip people and give them data. There's different kinds of shamans. Like there's people who have warrior medicine. There's different terminology. So there's a little bit of a, even an ecosystem within that. But a true shaman is, is you know, think Constantine, that movie. That's sort of the energy. Yeah. <laughs> it's why we don't go to a lot of Reiki events, even though I'm Reiki certified. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Before we were recording, it seems like a surface level question to ask, like, how, how are you feeling today? But it was truly, I meant it legitimately like, yeah. all right. I know depending on your day and who you've engaged with and what that's like, uh, it can, it can impact you pretty deeply today, you know, renegotiated the lease with our landlord who was trying to play games, forgetting that I have a background in corporate real estate. I've done about five podcast interviews, some for mine, some for other people. They've all been awesome. But I will tell you that, you know, I'm happy to be ending it on this one. And I think I'll probably be a little bit more free uh, now that I've, I've let it all hang out all day long, you know? Yeah. 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 So, I mean, I, that's beautiful. And I'm so grateful that you're here doing this work in a way, right? You're not just keeping it to yourself. You're putting yourself out there through you know, totem readings and, and allowing people to expand by working together with them. Right. And I know when we had our session, I, a spirit guide came in Hermes and that was, I, I, 
didn't forget that, but I just remembered it in a deeper way because then I went to New Orleans. Yes. And your Substack, you wrote about this and Rachel, this validated so much for me because I started channeling him and I just kept thought to myself, like, is this real? And then you wrote in the Substack, and you were talking about how he was like being cheeky or, or something like that. I was like, oh my gosh, Mm -hmm. it was real. Like he totally had the same personality that you described in that Substack article about going to New Orleans when he came in. So yeah, that's um, the other thing I would say about shamans is when we connect with spirit, we're really fairly agnostic about it. So there's not a lot of like, oh, I want to meet so-and-so and and I want them to be like this. So when we bump up against something, it's generally a surprise and we go, oh, that's what you're like. And I'll never forget, I was watching American Gods, you know, the Neil Gaiman story, but the show. And within the first few minutes of Mr. Wednesday being on screen, I was almost in tears. My husband was like, what is going on? I go, that is Odin. I've met Odin. Neil Gaiman has met Odin. The same experience you had reading my Substack, I had watching American Gods. I was like, he fucking nailed him. That's him. That's all of his mannerisms. I mean, it was creepy. Wow. Yes. So it happens. And, you know, there's so much truth in these things, but you you have to sort of release a lot of like attachment to outcome on a personal level. I wasn't looking to meet Hermes. It happened. And and so there's this cool balance in shamanic work or psychic work of like allowing, receiving, and kind of letting things be what they are, because that's how you get to the truth. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of the truth, I, I don't know, you know, okay, so after we did that, and after I was channeling, I ended up with the Emerald tablet. Like oh, I was yeah. told to start digging. Just in. so you know, I've been back on that shit for oh. the last two weeks in a major way. Okay. Yeah. The Emerald yeah. tablets. Yeah. yeah. I was called, called back to it, um, which is, it's very dense and, you know, truth be told, I mean, you are like a highly intelligent person. I consider myself to be pretty intelligent, but this takes like so much to digest. Yeah. And 80% of it, you're not going to fully cognitively distill while you're reading it. It's almost like it just goes somewhere. I don't know how else to describe it. Yeah. Like a download, like it's a knowing, but then it's not like your conscious mind really understands it and processes it. Um, But yeah, I was reading about uh, rhythm was the last one and they were talking about like rhythm, like a pendulum, right? Yeah. It's kind of like polarity, but a, a different way of looking at it. And the pendulum swings, but if you have the ability to go into the other plane of consciousness, you miss the pendulum swinging the other way. Yes. In the way that you don't want it to, which is just like, holy smokes. I can't believe you just brought that, that book out to play because I pulled a card from, um, not my deck, not my tarot deck. It's the Mary L deck, which I highly recommend, but it's very out of print and it's quite expensive. Um, and it's a lot of Kabbalah kind of stuff. And I had pulled the her nine of coins card. And it's this ancient Egyptian god Noom, but it references and quotes the Emerald tablets, hence getting back into it. And I got this strong message that I'm in an intense integration phase. And I reread the text of it. And I realized that was what came through when I did the one time a hero's dose of mushrooms in the backyard on the solstice. And I had a dialogue with Odin and I didn't realize it was the exact plot of the Emerald tablets. Mm. And I read it. But it it didn't like hit mm-hmm. 
or the plane didn't land until <laughs> this past week. Yeah. And just looking at that and I was like, oh, so I don't have to get a bunch of stuff done right now. I just have to like allow because integration really like happens to you. You don't really happen to integration. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's, it's, this is the real work of this stuff. So the people who like, I want the genetic activation codes because I'm a star seed and I want, you know, manifestation abundance gospel kind of stuff. And I want to be, I want to have a seven figure business and this is spirituality. I'm like, you guys are, you are really preventing yourselves from experiencing the real version of this because it's so rich. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. When I go back and I read this type of stuff, I start, I'm just so confused because I'm like, now today, did we lose all of this? And now it's a remembrance. Like we've been here before. Oh yeah, totally. We've been here before. Um, Well, a few things. And I think we're actually like, we're for want of a better way of putting it, we're living in history right now. And I know this is going to sound apocalyptic, but I'm actually very bullish, not on the stock market this fall, winter, but on life spiritually on planet earth, on the human species. I am, I am bullish. I'm not bearish at all. I'm a Warren Buffett bull for us. But I think, you know, everyone talks about AI and all this stuff. To me, psychically, AI reads as something very old. You know, and I love Joe Rogan's podcast, but when I hear him say things like we're giving birth to something new, a 2.0 or a 3.0, I go, no, 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 no. This is a parasite that's been with us a long time and it wants to come back out to play. And, you know, if you think about technology and the one thing that can put technology on its ass is a big solar flare from the sun. And I really started thinking about, you know, in Egypt or Sumeria and all these, you know, Mesopotamia or Mesoamerica for that matter, sun worship. I'm like, the more I read from ancient, like proto-ancient history, right? Like early, early Zohar, pre-book of Genesis, going as old as you can, the more I realized they weren't silly and they weren't primitive. And they wrote about and they shared experiences they really actually literally had. Like we have to stop thinking that there are primitive people that can't, like worship the sun because of agriculture, like no shit. But if you think about it, like what if there was a big solar flare and I knocked out whatever evil AI had taken over? I would worship the sun too. I draw it. I would be like, this is an important thing. Future humans, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like, so I'm seeing this whole moment differently than most people. To me, this doesn't read as new at all. Yeah. And I, I also like, if you look at, the history of technology, especially military technology, the first propulsion jet engines were created by a guy named Jack Parsons. And he was given the plans for it during a black magic ceremony with L. Ron Hubbard and Aleister Crowley, literally, literally. Aleister Crowley is the founder of Thelema, open devil worshiper, created the Toth tarot deck, all this stuff, wrote Lesser Key of Solomon. And uh, L. Ron Hubbard founded Scientology. And these three guys just have to be out in the desert and he just happens to come up with a jet engine design out of nowhere that we now use for our military. And it's like, I, I think they give us whatever those le- lower vibrational things are out there. They give us trinkets that don't matter that are maybe violent or cause harm and get us all busy with all this stuff. When the real technology, the stuff that Hermes or, you know, is reflected in the Emerald Tablets, they're not going to give us that because I don't think they have it. I think, you know, it's another it's another team, if you will. 
There's a lot of intellectual property and, you know, I see, I see shades of corporate America and a lot of the spiritual behavior. Yeah. I think humans are really powerful. Have you seen the Captain Marvel movie with Brie Larson? No, I haven't. So slight spoiler, but I won't spoil the plot. The plot, basically there's a, I think they call it the Supreme Intelligence. And it's this thing on this planet, Cree, where she gets access to this AI. And it's supposedly benevolent. It gives her her powers, all this stuff. And she has amnesia and things are coming back to her. Long story short, the Supreme Intelligence was actually inhibiting her natural superpowers. Mm -hmm. She didn't get any of them from the Supreme Intelligence. It was parasitizing her and manipulating her thoughts and repressing her memory. Yeah. And the minute she yanked that connection, she... It became infinitely powerful. Yeah. That connection requires space. And in today's society, we have no space. And I, when I None. say space, not physical, I'm talking mental. Or physical. I mean, and energetic, it's crowded. It's wild. And the amount of people we're expected to communicate with and know and remember, it is a very new novel thing for our ancient technology where humans, even a hundred years ago, maybe knew 10 people, maybe. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Personally, it's wild what we're demanding of our brains and our psyches and our energy bodies. Never mind, God only knows what's going on with, you know, advancements in technology and its effect on the energy body. No one knows. And I'm not super neurotic. I mean, I got AirPods in right now. I have clients who are like, you shouldn't use that. It's scrambling your brain. I'm like, yeah, I know. Like you got to, at a certain point, I got to 80, 20 this, you know what I mean? Yeah. Shit happens. But yeah, I'm sure there's a bunch of that. And I, it doesn't feel very pro-human to me. Like the writers and actors strike in LA. I never thought I'd be on the side of Hollywood, but I am. I have clients there. They're writers, actors, mm-hmm. actually. So I remembered like, oh yeah, I do like some of those people as human beings. Yeah. And, you know, what are we doing? And even in corporate real estate, my old industry, someone the other day posted on LinkedIn, he, he wrote, anyone else finding that their brain's atrophying while they use Chad GPT? I'm like... Yeah, because you're training your replacement to replace you while your perishable skills are diminishing. Just the lack of conscious awareness around this transformational moment is wild. Uh, Mark Vicente, do you know Mark Vicente? He's an Axiom survivor whistleblower. No. Mm-mm. He's got a great podcast. It's called WTF is on my mind, I think. I think he says it differently with a bad word in there. And he just did an episode about cults in the movie Oblivion. It's like the sci-fi movie with Tom Cruise in it and his experience in Nexium, but also in society and also the dangers of, of AI and its capabilities to control narratives or create perceptual shifts. Now that we all have this mesh brain network called social media. Mm. Yeah. Wow. So as a cult survivor, he's like really tuned into it and he's like, I don't like it that much. Yeah, that's interesting. I guess I've been taking a little, I don't want to call it a naive perspective. It's just maybe an alternative perspective, which is because I can see what you're saying, but the other side of it is that like, is there a bit of an awakening that says, do we need to do all this stuff, stuff, meaning things that AI could take care of and I can create space for creativity and expansion and humans and human consciousness. And I don't need to work five days a week, 40 hours a week, but I can still have an income that supports myself. But so yeah. I guess I yeah, would tell you that everything you just said is possible. And I actually think that's what's about to be born. Mm-hmm. I don't think AI is what facilitates it. I don't yeah. think it has anything to do with it. I actually yeah. think humans are way more capable 
than we're told. Yeah. I think we get kind of browbeaten. We don't even know what our potential is. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the uh, and it, it sounds black pilly and paranoid. I'm not a particularly paranoid person, but the last year psychically has been wild for me. And I'm not talking news. I mean, psychically, spiritually, mm-hmm. my shamanic experience, I've been like, something is going on. Mm-hmm. And I, I actually think humans are about to, we're leaving our gestational phase as beings and i think what we're going to see is that ai whatever that looks like it's it's going to be so obsolete relative to the actual spiritual technologies that are coming online yeah i'm excited but me too so let's talk totem tarot i mean you have so many amazing arms of what you do and within totem and i don't know that this audience is all fully aware of tarot and how to use it and i know when i yeah. connected with you you told me at the time to just get the weight deck um oh yeah the writer weight deck it's yeah. the old classic yeah classic so i started there but i am i'm still really green so tell us a little bit about tarot also your cards and if you're feeling called i mean we can we can pull one yeah we'll pull one this will be fun so the reason i love tarot is it gives you a psychic edit. Um, so I always tell people it's a spiritual technology. And what it does is it gives you, the client, a dashboard of your own spiritual data. You know, like you log in at work, you get your dashboard, you see all your important data, all the metrics you care about, key themes, urgent issues, time, whatever, right? It's a way to orient yourself and get like a spiritual diagnostic provided to you. What I like about tarot is it's, pragmatic and it has containers. So like a channeling session or some of these other more woo things, they're really interesting experiences. You can get huge insights. I find that only clients that are really spiritually connected and do their own work get pragmatic stuff out of a channeling or mediumship session. Otherwise it's just like a cool experience, Mm -hmm. right? Like, oh my God, that's real. That like evidentiary mediumship kind of stuff. Tarot is like, here's the map of the terrain. Here's where you've been. Here's where you're going. These are helpful people. These are challenging people. Here's some information on timing. And for me, I view it as an empowering thing. So you can go, okay, I've just gotten information. Now I can make decisions. Now I can take steps. So it's not like to lock you in to a fate. I hate that. I hate, Mm -hmm. I get so many clients that are like, yes, someone told me I have a curse. I'm like, oh my God, like, a special place in hell for people who do that, yeah. really. Um, it should be like, you know, here's your information. Go do what you will with it. And that's that fun free crossroads will. of fate and free will. And that's where tarot likes to play. And the the history of tarot is hotly debated. Just like it's from that part of the world where like everyone argues about who created falafel. So it's just going to be one of those things. Like it's so old. It really took the form it has now in the Middle Ages in Spain. So like 1300, 1400. But it goes back to Egypt. Uh, It's riddled with Kabbalah stuff. And the Jews were enslaved in Egypt, right, for a very long time. And there was a lot of cross-pollination there. Hints of Sumeria, Babylon, you know, all these other ancient, ancient cultures. And it's a 78 card deck that has a, a pretty precise structure to it. Like there are 22 main cards. They're like the main characters in the story. Then there are suits just like with playing cards. And actually playing cards are based on tarot. Tarot came first. Mm. 
There's even a weird offshoot of tarot that grew up in Japan um, called Hana Karuda cards. And, you know, so it's taken, you know, just like an invasive species that ends up on islands, it takes its own form kind of a thing over time. Um, And my deck, the totem tarot deck, I designed it to be more shamanic. So, you know, it's, it's tarot is always considered what we call a tool of divination, you're divining the future, you're getting insider data beyond the veil. The way we designed this was it can do that. It can also be like a spiritual development tool. So there are specifics like Odin, Mr. Wednesday is in the deck. I tried to put the care, like the characters in my life spiritually mm-hmm. in here and find an adequate home for them, but it's still a classic tarot deck. I'll tell you, I know people love Oracle decks. I don't use them. And it just might be my OCD because I just grew up on this. And I like, like, have you ever known someone who really loves chess? Yeah, I was in chess club. See, okay. So one of the things most chess weirdos, you can correct me if I'm wrong, like about it is the rules and how contained it is, Hmm. right? Like there's rules, there's moves, there's things. Mm -hmm. The pawn only does this. The knight only does this. Mm -hmm. And I think that's why I'm like weird on purity with tarot. And I don't, for instance, personally, or with clients use Oracle decks for that matter. Mm -hmm. I see value in them. Like if you, especially almost like flashcards, if you're learning things, I think it's tremendous for that. But I just think there's something to a 78 card deck. Yeah. Yeah. Have you seen the Queen's Gambit, by the way? Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's what was in my head. Well, of course, because we're saying chess, but I was like, oh, this isn't relevant for the conversation. But I was just picturing the shadow of the chess piece moving across the ceiling as you were talking. No, she when she was being interviewed, you know, and they're like, why do you love chess? And she's like, it's just so certain, you know, like it's so there's this little universe. It's so contained. And and I know the rules there. Mm -hmm. And as someone who's, you know, really obsessed with tarot down to minutiae, I really related to that. Of like, this is a thing, like I know it, you know what I mean? Yeah. There's also the element of predicting future moves. And I think we love to do that in our life, but we don't always, we're not always like, if I do this, then this will happen. If I do this, then this, and then this will happen. We're just scared of what will happen, but we don't actually maybe get strategic and think about the future moves of the implication of this move on future moves. Oh, a lot of our society is checkered. I mean, look at what's happening with corporate, with politics. It's checkers. Yeah. You know? Very few people out there playing chess. <laughs> We're just jumping around. <laughs> oh, by the way, my husband was trying to teach me how to play chess because it's one of the things I didn't pick up at like a younger age. And I kept wanting to make it, like all the pieces do what I wanted them to do. It's going to take a long time to learn. It really is. It is. So we'll pull a card. I mean, did you have a question or something you wanted to ask? maybe for the collective or yourself? Ooh, gosh. Um, I, I, it feels like people are on the precipice of change. They just don't know what it is. And I don't mean that in the way of like, oh, I need to leave my job. Literally just, I, I felt called and I did a podcast recently about being on the edge of just like, change and feeling this, but you might not even know what the heck it is. Like, what does that mean? The borderlands. Yeah. I don't know if that's me feeling that similar to you saying, Oh no, something's happening, but yeah. what is someone the other day asked me how I was feeling psychically. I go, I feel like, a, you know, the line of dialogue from Blade Runner. Like I run right on that edge of the blade. 
So you say edge, and I, I think the edge is very skinny. I think we're right there. It's yeah. really interesting. Yeah. And I'm like, my life's boring, by the way, the way I have it structured, it's pretty resilient with all this flux, mm-hmm. but it's just an energetic sensation. So yes. let's see what it's all about. Oh my God, you're going to absolutely die. This is the card I pulled every time I pulled the card today on podcast interviews. And you, it's there are 78 goddamn cards in that deck. Did you see how many times I shuffled it? That's crazy. Yeah, you were shuffling being the whole haunted. time you were talking. Haunted by the two of metals, and which is a great card. So this is funny. It's a card of paradox in Rider Weight deck. And I'm gesturing, by the way, because I have it. Okay. Oh, I'm not like just doing things with my hands. It's actually right there. Um, it's an image of Joan of Arc with two swords crossed over her in a blindfold. And there's a body of water behind her and a crescent moon. And the, as a result, the two of swords is like the psychic antenna that picks up on things. It's the break between battles that gives you the ability to go inward or download things so that you can then proceed in battle. Because Joan of Arc wasn't beating the English because she was big and strong or had more weapons. It's because she had insight that others didn't have. And to gain that insight, you have to go to a piece of tranquility, calm, and an inner sort of like placid lake. It's a very hard kind of Kung Fu state to achieve in your brain in the middle of the shit. But the other thing about this card is it's a paradox, meaning things that you would think are mutually in opposition to one another actually existing peacefully and in harmony. So it's funny, I was just talking to Alicia, who's the nervous system Mm -hmm. guru, friend of mine, about this card. It made a lot of sense for my dialogue with her because her whole thing is like parasympathetic, sympathetic nervous system, getting your endocrine system to chill out, peace, tranquility. So in that context, it was fairly literal. But also the idea of when maybe society goes to shit or goes through a big undulation or the contractions, if you will, of this next thing are getting close together. How do you achieve peace in that? Mm. And how do you achieve peace in that without feeling guilty? Because so much of our society is socially codependent. There's so much collective performative suffering, like this um, victimhood is this tremendous currency now because of social media and everything else. Never mind real victims. I don't think they ever get any of that shine. And so how do you maintain peace when you feel guilty? When society wants you to feel guilty and wants you to feel afraid, maybe so you buy or consume or, you know what I mean? It's, it's maybe the, um, the move to win the spiritual war. Yeah. It's like the edge of going within, like the joke, yeah. the, the paradox is that you think the change is that, but it's actually in. Yeah. And also sometimes the hardest thing to do when things are really intense is nothing. Mm. You know, that takes a different kind of like personal spiritual discipline to do nothing mm-hmm. because this is not active meditation. This is if, if God in, in Joan of Arc's case, if God's willing, he'll give me what I need. If not, we're all going to die. You know, that was her whole existence. And then by the way, her reward was uh, getting burned at the stake. So it's pretty cool. Yeah. Thanks Catholic church. <laughs> Every time I have a moment, like I'll meet a Jesuit priest or I have like a really good discussion. I'm reminded of like, you want to talk about paradox, like, my God, they've done a lot of good and a lot of bad things. Yeah. A lot of that doesn't make any sense. 
No, it's like it's like Robert Downey Jr.'s early career. You remember when he got arrested and he was dressed up in a Spider-Man costume, smoking crack in an alley somewhere? Yeah. And it's like, that's that's an extreme bad. That's all the bad. Like, you really lived it up. But also, he's this great person now, and he's an AA sponsor to a bunch. Yeah. yeah, and, you know, it's a bit Dickensian, too, perhaps. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. And somehow those two things making sense right yeah thank you that was i would just tell everyone put your antennas up it it really is about like tuning in seeing what comes to you don't judge it it's sort of like creative writing let yourself when you're um a psychic practitioner letting it just come in Mm -hmm. and i learned this new phrase recently from of all people speaking of drug addicts sheila both who I never thought I would like. And I'm, I sent his agent a hard copy letter. Cause I was like, God bless you, sir. Where he was detailing this proverb that he learned in AI. And it's, I don't know what this is yet. And there's a really cool story with that. If anyone's interested, the podcast is called real ones with John Bernthal. I recommend watching the whole thing, but letting something happen and go, I don't know what this is yet. I don't know if this is good or if it's bad. Why am I rushing to do something and make it be, have a value, positive or negative? It's like this, we have this anxiety about leaving things and letting them be. Yeah, so easier said than done, by the way. Take, take my advice and I'll try and take my own advice, but it sounds, this is a tall order, I'd say. Yeah, yeah, awesome, thank you. Well, we only have a couple minutes left and I would love to, speaking of podcasts that you recommend, you have and host the Skeptical Shaman podcast. So share a little bit about that. What, what can people expect if they come and hang out with you there? Yeah. Well, I did a podcast tour last year and I, I made actually very good close friends on that tour with a couple of people, but overwhelmingly, I was a bit disappointed because it just felt like people were like, yeah, so when do you want to sell your product? When did da 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 very like infomercial QVC kind of energy. And I was like, these are not, I would never listen to this. <laughs> like, it, you know, I don't care who's on it. And the podcasts I listen to are things like, you know, real ones with John Bernthal or these deep, authentic dialogues with people of diverse points of view, diverse backgrounds. But on my podcast, all along the theme of like spirituality. And so I I have interviewed true believers, including, by the way, a traditional Catholic exorcist. And they made a movie about him. And he's played by Eric Bann in the movie that pissed a lot of people off Mm because surprise, surprise, he's a Catholic. I guess he shocked everyone by being exactly what I said he was. Um, I'm about to interview some devout atheists. So we interview like true believers, skeptics, cynics, everybody in between. And always with the theme of like your skepticism is, it's actually a lot like this. Skepticism and intuition seem like they're in mutual opposition. Like you can't be spiritual and skeptical. You need to be skeptical to become spiritual. You have to start asking questions. You have to start looking at the matrix. You have to be like, "Mm, I don't know about getting confirmed. Like that was one of those things for me where I was like, no one seems to know what confirmation is about. Why am I signing up? Like asking questions and being your own advocate, having agency, and assuming that you're not stupid. And the questions you ask, if you don't understand something, there might be something wrong. And as you know, probably doing this podcast to being in the spiritual space, there is a lot of bullshit too. You need your skeptical hat, your hat of discernment. 
to go in and be like, wait a minute, wait a minute. You want me to call you what now? I'm supposed to call you what like special name and you want me to bow to you? No, this is, it's getting a little weird. My other favorite podcast is a little bit culty for a reason. When do things veer into like from being a little weird to like a cult and right. keeping an eye on that? Cause even some marketing companies are culty, you know? Yeah. Um, and so that's, that's what the podcast is. I don't ask people on because they have reach or anything like that. I ask people on cause I want to talk to them. Cause I think people want to hear conversations that human beings actually are enjoying and they themselves find interesting. I think people can read that. I think their antenna, if you will, to use our theme from the card, I think it's up and it knows humans are smart. They know when someone's pissing on their leg while telling them it's raining, I think. Yeah. 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 And you, your ability, like your vocabulary, your words, your knowledge, like, I don't know where you're storing this. If you're like pulling from the Akashic records or something as you talk, but Obviously you bring that to the conversation, the podcast, which is so expansive just to even hear you speak about things. Well, thank you. I think I'm a little neurodivergent. (laughs) I think I'm a little, well, I got, I got angry during a book proposal process at the industry. So, you know, this is my constant problem. Like I'll smash and like, wait, this is how you run this industry. And just like, I'm a problem child. I'm difficult. That's that skeptical hat, I think. But also thank you for the compliment. I'm not that smart. I have a very narrow, very deep amount of pedantic knowledge in occult topics. Like, I don't know how to drive. I don't know if you know that. I have a license and it's a hilarious story. about. (laughs) Yeah, I don't, if my husband's not here, I take a lift places. Like, I am barely functional in a lot of areas where other adults really thrive. Like, Mm -hmm. everyone has strengths and weaknesses. Um, you should see me try and put something together. It like my husband's heart rate just goes through the ceiling. He's like, Oh my God, I am watching this struggle session. I can't, I can't take this anymore. Other things like, you know, in five minutes renegotiating a lease with total confidence and fluency. So I'm sort of like a child in a lot of ways. Um, and one of the reasons I wanted to start the podcast is you know, that's an area where I feel joyful having those conversations. And I think because I have so much pedantic knowledge, I can contribute in a way that I assumed other people were already. Mm. Like I thought that podcast, like, just like I think everybody talks about the Emerald Tablets. They don't. That's my, that's my crazy showing where I just think that that happens. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so it's, it's wonderful. I would say everybody's version of psychic, whatever, spiritual, whatever, it's going to look different on everybody. You know, I'm not a particularly healing provider. Like you don't come to me to like get Reiki and feel really good and affirmed. Mm -hmm. So just figuring out what your lane is too. Yeah. And also in that same vein, who my best clients should be, like what people will benefit from working with me. You appreciate knowledge and information. You are in the minority of people, just so you know. Like that's not that common in this space. Like most people want a fix. They want to know if their boyfriend's going to ask them to marry them. They want want to know if they're going to get a job. Yeah, that's it. They want the vending machine. Mm -hmm. They push the button. They get, you know, the payday or the Twix. And that's really what it is for them. And so for me, it's this, it's this organic alchemy when I get to work with people like you, when I get to talk to the people and you're coming on the podcast soon mm-hmm. and I'm thrilled. I like it a lot because that's like what fuels me. And I think there's a lot of um, 
you know, price of mission stuff out there. I think across the board, I think spirituality is no different from, I'm sure it's like that in every industry focus area, subject matter area. I, I would mm-hmm. assume there's the price of admission. Yeah bargain basement stuff. And then there's some truly exceptional people that are like obsessed. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. This is so random. I'm so fixated on your candy bar selections from the vending machine. (laughs) Yeah. I don't like payday at all. I think they're disgusting. I think Twix are delicious. Yeah. That's why they popped in my head. That's why we got the card today. It's, it's the, yeah. And you know, honestly, (laughs) if I'm at a vending machine, I'm looking for Skittles probably. Even though it has that poison red dye that's illegal in Ireland. Right. Um, or, right. you know, my vending machine in the building where I had my meditation center had Pop-Tarts in it. Oh, gosh. What Solid. a gift, Solid. right? Oh, my Delicious. Gosh. Yeah, yeah. Well, I don't eat any of that anymore, by the way. That was even a yeah. few years ago. Every day I'm giving up one more piece of poison. Mm. Um, it's mm. one of those unfortunate side effects of getting spiritual and tuning into your energy body is you feel the garbage. You can't ignore it anymore. I miss junk food. Like it's emotional for me. Yeah. Me too. Yeah. It's a comfort as a kid. It was always there for me. Um, but I feel that too. My alcohol consumption. Yeah. Way down. I, it what a bummer, right? <laughs> it blocks me from like this new place I'm in. And I yes, it like does. It. And I will tell you though, keep it in your back pocket for when you want it to block you. Yeah. (laughs) Like there are days it's funny. Uh, I'll do like five client sessions and they are like, I'm on a rocket out somewhere with those people are super spiritually advanced. Their energy bodies are amazing and not in a negative way. I mean, really you high euphoria, super high vibration. And then you look around your house and you're like, Oh my God, I have to be a person now. And in those moments, because I don't, I don't have an issue, thankfully, with substances. I have a lot of other problems. I have PTSD and a lot of other shit. I'll have a little glass of red wine. I'm like, oh, thank you, little, yeah. little red wine friend. Yeah, yeah, same, same. Well, and I joke with my husband. It's bye bye. I go bye bye, bye bye, psychic stuff. And he laughs. He'll see me with the glass of wine. He goes, oh, bye bye. I'm like, bye bye. Like the way you have little kids do it. Like say right. goodbye to grandma. Yeah, right. I love that. I love that. Like, oh, Rachel's just going to be chill now. This is. And that could change one day. You know, I could be one of those teetotalers and not even because it's a problem or, you know, my big yeah. thing with all of this is give yourself permission to change your mind. Yes. All the time. Expect. Give yourself permission to change, yes. change your point of view, yes. change spirit guides, change lifestyles, change diets. You do what you got to do. Don't get locked in, man. It's like, it's a problem. That's a brilliant, I think a brilliant mic drop moment that we're going to have to to capture. So thank you. That was awesome. Thank you. So before we go, because I think it's important that people know how to connect with you. Yeah. If they really felt the energy of this. I have to imagine they're going to be coming back for more to connect with you and, and follow you and engage with the podcast. And like I mentioned, you know, reading your Substack emails, it's just incredible. So how can people find you? So Totem Rach on Instagram and the website is totemreadings.com. So T-O-T-E-M readings, you know, totem like a totem pole. I'm easily Googleable. Find me. The best way to reach me always, always, always is email because I have like a good system with email. I'm organized. I am unreliable on DMs on social media and stuff because I frankly don't. I post and I ghost. I don't spend a lot of time on it. I give myself 20 minutes a day on that stuff. Um, and then the podcast is the skeptical shaman. You can get it anywhere. 
uh, season two is being recorded right now. And I thought that was going to be several months. And then some kind of famous people actually wrote back to me. And I was like, well, now, now I got to do it. Now I'm in this thing. And there are people that are going to, that are going to be polarizing, but interesting. And one of my big goals for season two is you might have an idea about a group of people, but when you hear an individual, right, like a real person, I think it shed, you shed some of that other stuff, that teamy, tribally, I'm not into that at all. You can find spiritual wisdom anywhere. Trust me. I mean, I'm not interviewing like rapists or anything, but (laughs) based on the mail I got after the Catholic, it's like, well, you'd think Ralph was serving life sentence for killing a bunch of kids the way people wrote to me about him. Like Mm. he's just a Catholic who leaves you alone. He, I invited him on here. You don't have to listen to it. Yeah. It's wild. So it'll be interesting if nothing else. Absolutely. Well, Rachel, this has been awesome. It was so great to connect with you since thank it's you. been a little bit and also just to tell you in person how much of an impact you have made in my life. So thank you. Well, thank and thank you for taking a session and an opportunity and in, in running with it. As someone who does this work and you know, if you start working with clients in at scale, I'll tell you, it makes doing the work worth it mm-hmm. and I wish it happened more. Like it it inspires us cuz we're discovering at the same time. Like I really, when something lands and somebody receives it and they go off on their scavenger hunt, it's like the best possible thing that could happen. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Until next time. I'll see you. Thank you. On podcast soon. Yes, you will. All right. Thanks, Rachel. Thank you. Thank you.